listening to the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. We sit down with some of the most highly regarded experts in the field of rehab, from physical therapists, athletic trainers, and much more. We dive into what makes them tick and hear about the lessons they have learned along their journey. Come listen to what these experts have to say. And welcome to another episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Jerrica Thomas, who is the regional medical provider for USA Track and Field. Jerrica, welcome in. Hi, thank you, Chase. Glad to be here. All right. Yeah, kind of give us a little bit of background about who you are and a little bit of an introduction of, you know, what got you into physical therapy. Okay, so um, I'm from a small town in Mississippi, uh, population just under 1,000, maybe a little bit more under 1,000. I uh, went to undergrad at Louisiana Monroe, grad school, Arkansas State. Um, and in high school, my best friend's mom was a physical therapist. And just seeing her work and understanding what she did, I thought that that kind of fit what I wanted to do. Um, unfortunately, in my high school, we didn't have any full-time ATCs on site. So I wasn't really sure um, of what that role entailed completely. Um, but I knew PT had something to do with fitness, exercise, uh, rehabilitation. And I thought that, you know what, I think I can do that. So from high school, I knew that uh, the PT route is what I wanted to do. Gotcha. And so what kind of led you into your journey to doing uh, PT school at Arkansas State? That's, that's interesting. So there was actually a guy in the class ahead of me at Louisiana Monroe who was enrolled there. It wasn't a school I had considered at first, but um, he spoke so highly of the staff. They were very personable, very um, laid back, very helpful. The class sizes were very intimate and small. So I went up for a visit, fell in love with the staff. Everybody was easygoing. Um, they were very helpful and just very much so encouraging. So I kind of threw that in, in my um, application pool. Gotcha. Yeah. And so we talked a little bit of pre-show and you said your, your role is kind of you know, it's a little bit different than your typical, you know, PT, outpatient sports or ortho job. So kind of explain to us in like, in a nutshell, kind of what you do. Okay, I'm gonna try to keep it in a nutshell. Um, so technically, by name, my role is a regional medical provider for USA Track and Field. And so it started out as a pilot program. We have so many camps in the, the US just kind of spread out. And no camp really has a full medical staff, right? So unlike football, unlike baseball, basketball, where you have a team and that team has like a, um, a staff of like sports med providers in track and field, the athletes follow their coach. So their coach may be coaching at the university and sometimes the pro athletes don't have access to the ATCs on staff. So they have to kind of create their own medical bubble, right? So um, what USATF wanted to do was increase our presence on the ground where these athletes were and because of the fair weather, unless it's raining in the summer, right? Um, Florida is a, a huge hub for your short sprints and um, jumpers. And a lot of these athletes are some of our better athletes uh, that perform on the national team or on, on the national and world stage, right? So we wanted to put someone here to help them with um, small injuries, keeping small injuries from, from becoming like more of your chronic debilitating injuries helping them find care locally, um, reaching out to our national medical providers um, in the States 
to help them get like access to care. So it was really just to kind of organize like the medical team for our athletes. If that kind of gotcha. sums up what we do. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's pretty unique, you know, not your typical, you know, it's track and field is different because it's such an individual sport. So you're not really working with a team and you don't really, you know, the athletes can kind of come from all over. Um, so I kind of want to talk a little bit about that, that uniqueness of the, of track and field. So when you, you know, when you're working with these different athletes and you're working with that may have different coaches in different places, how do you kind of coordinate that patient's care? Especially if they don't live in the same place as even their coach, you know, in the same area, how do you kind of make sure they get, you know, taken care of? So um, in terms of living, a lot of the athletes live wherever they're being coached. So they may live by their coach. Um, the problem for me is that you may have coaches in Gainesville, Orlando, Jacksonville, uh, Claremont. And so what you try to do is network with providers in the community, right? So if I have a good working relationship with providers in the community, that helps me um, be a liaison between the athlete and providers, right? So a lot of the times I may not be performing the rehab services. It could be me finding somebody in the area to give them more of that day-to-day care. And I would just come in for the more complex or to be that familiar face that when we go off to a national competition or an international competition, I can help um, uh, create like continuity of care for them between working out at home and um, working on the road, right? So... It gets complex with coordinating with coaches because each coach has their own philosophy. Each coach has, you know, some form of ego as well as many other medical providers. And so I think coming in, it's important that I like take my ego, put it off to the side and be as flexible and I guess um, helpful and try to fit in the gaps as best I can to create a sense of like full care for the athlete, you know? So Mm -hmm. it may be, emailing coaches to say, hey, this is where they are. I've talked to their medical providers, and this is what they need to do. It may just be educating the athlete and saying, hey, I've talked to your medical providers. I've talked to the coach. This is where you are. This is the plan for you. It's just making sure that all the information is, like, condensed down and everybody's on the same page. Right. So that, you know, brings up another question kind of unique to that situation. Um, You know, when you're working in, like, I work in outpatient orthopedics, so we have a whole – healthcare system surrounding them we we can message the docs through our emr or if you work for a team you you know you walk right across the street and you see the docs you know for you how is it when you how is it trying to find like what's one of the challenges that you have to do when you're trying to find someone that can work with these athletes someone that you can trust their care with so that was very hard when i first got here i had no um relationship with any providers in the area i had no clue who was here i had no clue who could do what when if they were even able to see the athletes if they could get them in you know in in a short turnaround time so what helped me was um we have our team providers so we have um, dr amadeus mason who works at emory in atlanta we have dr todd arnold who works out in uh, indiana used to work for saint vincent so using them for their networks, usually their networks would kind of um, expand the entire nation, right? So mm-hmm. it's like a network system. It's like, who do you know? Where are they? Can I get in contact with them? And if they know somebody in the area. So it was just like really digging deep into like a network pool to figure out who was where and how I can get in contact with them and how I can kind of coordinate this system that didn't exist before, right? So it took a lot of cold calling, a lot of emailing, a lot of showing up, especially during COVID year, because I got here 
in a COVID year where people were not trying to see you face to face. It was like, nope, sorry, can't help you. Um, but just really going in and saying, hey, you know, my name is Sherika. I work for you to check and field. Uh, this is what we're trying to do. This is what I need. This is how we can help you. Um, and a lot of times it was going in and seeing who the athletes were already working with and um, using their networks too to kind of build a, a larger network system. But also that kind of gets a little great because sometimes athletes don't really know what they need. So they may be working with a provider who doesn't like qualify to help them with whatever it is that they um, are needing assistance with. So like sometimes it may be coming in and disrupting a relationship a little bit so that that way they can get you know adequate care. Right. And so you talked about some of the challenges of, uh, you know, you're kind of trying to continue their care, you know, if they're going to a larger competition and they've been kind of in a rehab process. Um, what are, can I give us like a little bit more specific of what you try to do when you're transitioning them, you know, trying to make sure that they're still maintaining that care while they're away from their home base? So that could vary. Um, for athletes who are in like the wider uh, areas that I cover, so I cover anywhere from Louisiana over to Florida, that gets a little tricky where they're primarily responsible for understanding like what's required of them to do on the road and at home, right? Mm-hmm. I, I just come in to just kind of give them support. But for the uh, athletes that are in the Florida region, let's say, um, hey, you're supposed to do this prior to you warming up. You're supposed to include this into your uh, warm up. Um, you're supposed to get this set service after you're done. It's just communication is key. So, for example, let's say you have an athlete who's dealing with a hamstring injury and they're in rehab locally, right? So, um, let's say they're doing a rehab program and they're progressing up to sprinting. They can sprint just fine and they feel confident enough to go on the road to really sprint. Again, the difference between track and any other sport, track, you have to be 100%. Like, mm-hmm come out and compete at 80 percent like you don't you won't get paid like your 80 percent won't produce top end speed you get what i'm saying your 80 percent won't get you a qualifying jump so if the injury is severe enough that it has your 80 percent you're probably not going to go on the road anyway Mm -hmm. right so for the athletes who are on the road they're healthy enough to compete well so what i'm doing there would be just you know maybe soft tissue work maybe some activation drills um maybe just watching them in the warm-up, make sure that they're uh, warming up properly or efficiently. But it's nothing, anything, it's not anything that's very um, loaded or uh, overwhelming or cumbersome. It's just really light, really, um, it's like fine-tuning things. So it's not anything that's, you know, hey, here are 17 exercises you got to do today. Here's a specific warm-up that you have to do today. Usually the athletes are very independent. Again, track is a very independent sport. They kind of have an idea of what they need to include into their warm-up, their cool-down, their pre-meet work. So them understanding it helps out, helps me out a lot. Gotcha. So that I want to go a little bit back. Um, you, you've been working with this for a couple of years now. How did you get involved with the track and field? Did you you know run track and field as, as, as yourself and then kind of knew that this is kind of where you wanted your career to head? Kind of walk us through that path. So um, I actually did track and field in undergrad. But um, to be honest, I really had no idea what track and field really consisted of, even running as a collegiate athlete. I mm-hmm. did it because I was like, you know what? Scholarship, cool. It can pay for PT school, <laughs> great, right? I had no intentions of being a sports PT. 
I was like, you know what? I'm going to get out, do a little manual, go over here with a little geriatrics. You know, I got my thing going. That's where I'm going, right? So I get out of school and I'm like, yo, I really miss sports. I, mm-hmm. I really miss this. And so um, I ended up going to work with a um, classmate who was working with a few track athletes and could, was using my um, history with track to kind of help him rehabilitate a few athletes. And so as they were expanding, he called and said, hey, do you mind coming and joining the team? Sure, no problem. Um, and in those years, it was just basically volunteer work. So I was volunteering at um, national events. I was working with track athletes for free um, just to give them additional care. So like I mentioned before, where I would network with local providers who were working with athletes already, that's kind of what I was doing in uh, Northwest Arkansas. So in Fayetteville, I was working with a lot of the um, track athletes who had gone pro and didn't really have much access to the uh, medical staff on, on, on the campus. So it was doing pro bono work for them. Some athletes were uh, contracted, some athletes weren't. So it was kind of fun to actually give them some, um, to give them care, even though they probably didn't have the means to cover it at the time. Gotcha. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit more about, you know, track athletes in particular, I guess more clinically. Um, so your time treating them and being a track athlete yourself, what are some, I guess, different injuries or conditions that you might see most commonly in, uh, I guess you kind of have mentioned sprinters and jumpers the most. What are some of the things that you have seen the most in terms of, uh, injury, injury, uh, incidents? So stress reactions, stress fractures, hamstring strains, groin strains, um, adductor strains, well, it goes, goes with growing, um, low back injuries, uh, PARS defects, especially in one of your throwers, uh, pec tears, um, let me think, glute tears, like glute tendon tears. Uh, I've actually seen a few of those more than I thought I would in, in sprinters. Um, um, let me think, let me think, let me think, you know, like ankle, um, ankle sprains. I've seen, uh, navicular fractures. Oh, uh, patellofemoral pain, patella tendon, uh, ruptures, strains, quad tears. Uh, it's kind of like abdominal strains. So more of your, uh, high power explosive injuries that can happen either from an acute explosive um, movement or something that happens from something being super chronic and you're not actually getting adequate care or rest. Gotcha. Now, does USA Track and Field, um, the the athletes you cover, does that go from anything anywhere from like the throwers? Obviously, you talked about pec tendon tears. I don't think too many sprinters are getting that. But that goes from the throwers all the way to the sprinters to the distance runners. Does that kind of all fall under your umbrella? Yes. So I'm not um, I'm not isolated to a certain event, but just by the nature of where I am, most of the people working out in this area are, ten, are usually going to be your short sprints and jumpers. But um, whenever we go to like our national championships or our world competitions, all of the athletes are there, and I'm available to anybody who needs my assistance at that time. Gotcha. Right. Um, so, you know, when you're working with these with these athletes at, at certain events, you know, it's not like football or soccer or basketball where you're worrying about like head on collisions or you're worrying about them running into other people. Hopefully not. 
um, when you're covering these events, what are some things that you're looking out for with your athletes that, you know, they've come back from a good rehab program and they're, they're at hundred percent now and you want to just double check with them. What are things that you're looking for? Things that you're kind of keeping your eye out on. So if you're doing like the event coverage, so, um, anything about safety, although it's not a heavy contact sport, you still have events like pole vault, javelin, hammer, um, shot put, discus, those implements are very heavy and dangerous. And so making sure that you're watching the field. Um, to make sure that, that the athletes are safe and that nobody's in danger. You've actually heard several times in track news of athletes being speared by javelins. We actually have a 400 runner. His name is Elijah. He came back from a javelin injury where he was pierced by a javelin and he came oh, back ran this year. So that's interesting. If anybody wants to go read up on that. Um, but what I look for is, you know, if they're not properly warming up, they always run the risk of, hamstring strains. Like usually if you watch the track event, one of the biggest injuries that you're going to see in sprinters is that they're going to pull up because of, yo, I feel like I've, I strained my hamstring or I felt a pull. So um, that's kind of what I look out for. Um, usually in, in jumpers is usually the patella tendon or um, a quad injury. Right. All right. Very cool. Um, kind of another clinical pearl question. Um, if you haven't done track and fields, you know, even like, even if you did it in high school, you know, when you're working with these high level athletes that are, you know, running the fastest people on earth, um, what is some tips that you would give things that you found have been really helpful? Anything that you would give in terms for, you know, from sprinters to throwers, even long distance runners in terms of, in terms of like rehab processes and stuff that you've seen, like working with these types of athletes. Um, for, for a clinician, I would say, uh, if I'm answering your question correctly, I would say definitely study the different parts of, of the event. So although it's running, it's not as simple as just running, right? So understanding block starts, understanding block positions, understanding what's required in the first 30 of, of, of a good run or, or the block start, understand the transitions, understand top end speed, understand the uh, gate mechanics as you progress from block starts to top end speed, understand that, you know, once they get to 50 meters, 60 meters, they could probably run into fatigue that at that point is probably where you see a, a hamstring injury occur, either there or the first 30 meters, right? Because coming out of the box is very explosive. I would say um, when you're looking at distance runners, like make sure they have a relationship with a sports, a sports nutritionist because, again, a lot of them are on restrictive diets and they run from like their mileage is crazy insane right and so especially if you have women who are dealing with amenorrhea or any type of um reproductive issue like you run into um bony issues right so stress reactions stress fractures and things like that you want to look out for and pay attention to um when it comes to rehab understanding that a lot of the times these athletes they practice what they do for for work right so a lot of times conditioning for basketball and football may be running, but they have like skill drills. They have um, different, you know, uh, coordination drills that they can do for practice. But for track, you're running your practice and you're running where you compete. So that volume and intensity can actually like work against you sometimes if, you, if you're not in that, that space where you have the time to rest. So a lot of the times it gets really stressful as soon as outdoors hit because you're competing and so you got to make sure that you're uh, fine-tuned enough to compete well, but at the same time, still practice hard, right? So that's when things kind of go a little bit. So a lot of your knick-knack injuries, a lot of the, the um, 
irritating injuries kind of come around like March, April, May. We're starting to ramp up outdoor season and they've been practicing all year. And so the speed is getting quicker. The volume isn't as much, but when you look at volume in terms of how hard I competed and I still got to practice hard because I'm trying to peak for outdoor nationals or world championships. So just being mindful that with track, they're usually practicing how they want to perform uh, for the competition. Gotcha. And um, we always have to have the hard conversation with conversations with runners where they do need to back off because they're you know at risk for a stress reaction because especially for distance runners their volume is very high um you know so how do you kind of have that hard conversation with them be like hey at this point we're doing more harm than good because runners don't hear that at all all they hear is that i can't run my my 60 mile week and i'm gonna lose in this next race how do you kind of have that hard conversation to convince them that this is for their own health and safety yeah. So it's all about negotiation. I, I don't think anything is so absolute, right? Because again, mm-hmm. like I said, everybody, our career, our path is there, theoretical. Nothing that we do is complete law, right? So it's about like using art and science to figure out what the threshold is. So I may not be able to take you from running completely. I may say, hey, let's back off on your mileage, right? Let's figure out where your threshold is. Like, where do you feel pain and when do you feel it, right? If it's immediate, then we have to back off. And at that point, the athlete knows if I can't run at all, it's not hard to say, don't run, right? It's, it's not hard to say that. Or we find an alternative route. So either we're getting in the pool, we're doing the also G. We're trying to keep you sport specific as possible with not, without doing further uh, damage, right? It's like, how can we continue to introduce um, um, systemic load without actually creating physical harm, right? Like, what's our uh, profession's model? Do no harm. So um, right. it's not hard to tell them to back off because sometimes when it's like a true emergency, they're usually like, yo, please tell me to stop, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but when it's that weird space where the injury is um, chronic, but there's a threshold that they can still run in, it may just be, hey, you can run this far, but coach, you got to rest them uh, for this long before you try again. So it's teaming up with the coach, teaming up with the athlete to kind of figure out what that individualized program looks like. But I would never say, um, hey, you can't do something. Let's figure out what your threshold is before I like pull you completely out of the activity altogether. Gotcha. Very cool. I think that's a great answer. Um, it's always a hard, and every athlete is uh, going to be unique, so it's a hard question to answer. Um, but I think that perfectly encapsulates it. And I think it became applicable from your short sprinters all the way to your distance runners, trying to find that, that middle ground, see what they can still do to kind of keep them engaged and keep them practicing, but without doing, like you said, doing no harm. All right. So I know you said your job is kind of like a little ambiguous and you got a lot of things, you know, a lot of things that you're going are going on, but kind of walk us through a day in the life of what it's like for you. Um, You know, you're probably not working your typical, you know, eight to five. So kind of tell us what it's like to be you in a day. Okay. So um, outside of the personal stuff in the morning, you get up, pray, read your Bible, um, take care of yourself because all day you're going to be giving. Right. So I try to pour into myself in the morning. Um, Check my email. I'll set up any virtual call I have to set up with an athlete. I try to do that before I go out, but because we're in different time zones sometimes, I may have to switch that around. So typical day, let's say on a Tuesday, I get up at 5, 5.30, do my rituals. Um, 7, I'm going through the emails, reading things, answering people back, trying to create um, virtual programs for other athletes. And then I head out to the track. So I go to the track in Claremont on Tuesdays. 
And so I'm there with the athletes. I get there um, as they're warming up, watching them warm up. If anybody has an injury or something that they're trying to work through, if it's a mobilization, if it's a quick treatment right there on the spot, I do that, assess, can they go out and do it, have a conversation with coach if, I need to, if they need to modify or not. Um, if not, we watch practice, make sure everybody's good to go. Then after practice, we go up to the gym for weights. I'm in a weight room talking to the strength coach, you know, watch the athletes as they um, lift again. My job is only to work with American athletes, so I don't work with internationals. So the groups are actually mixed. So you have internationals and Americans working in the same group sometimes. So when I'm in a weight room, I'm, you know, my eyes are focused on the American athletes. Then after that, if I'm doing rehab with anybody, then we'll set our appointments up for rehab that day for that said group, right? So I may get done at three. I may get done at five. They may have a, a meeting to do. I have to come back at five, six. So it just depends on the day and what they have going on because, again, they're professionals and they have their own businesses as well. So we have to kind of like coordinate our times there. And um, if there's a work meeting, I do that. But usually they haven't been as busy this year. So on a Wednesday, I'll do the same thing, just go to a separate group um, to do that. And on Thursdays, I may go up to Jacksonville to work with a group there and try to catch the athletes in that area. So. Gotcha. All right. So you're, you're kind of all over the place. Um, so how is that day-to-day different from when you're covering like a national event? Okay. So whenever we're doing like national events, so I'll take USA Nationals, for example, mm-hmm. and then I give a world championship uh, an example. So for USA Nationals, we have more hands on deck. So uh, we have three full-time regional providers. So Scott McKay covers the West Coast. Christy Cole covers the East Coast, and I cover the Southeast region. So when we go to the USA National event, we have a team of providers. So there's a, there's a head ATC, and then we have providers like DCs, massage therapists, um, ATCs, and physical therapists. And our roles are to provide that soft tissue care pre-post uh, event, pre-post practice. And we have like a, a like acuity scheduling that we utilize for athletes to come in and schedule whatever they need and when, right? So we'll get up, have breakfast, and we'll start treatments, let's say, at 10. We'll go from 10 to before practice. And then what we'll do is we'll go and cover practice. So some of us may go and cover practice that day, and then um, we'll come back in the afternoon and do treatments again until 9, 10 o'clock at night. So usually when we're on a roll like that, our days are about sometimes 12 to 16-hour days. Gotcha. Very, uh, you know, that's uh, very different from what you do, you know, kind of day to day, you know, working at the, the at the clinic. Um, so now that you've been with USA Track and Field for a couple of years now, um, is there any memory that stands out the most? Anything that stands out in particular? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know if this if this is what you're looking for, but in Toronto in 2018, I was working the NACAC meet. So that's the North North American Caribbean. Um, it's like a championship between the west hemisphere right and so what we do is uh it's a track meet but um it's, it's, it's a little bit more fun it's less stressful and so we had an athlete go down but she had um she she won the race but she was too sick to get the award right and so black girl with braids i'm a black girl with braids so i had to go podium <laughs> to receive her award and i really <laughs> the whole thing outright so <laughs> they called her name and i wave i sat on the podium i'm talking about i bent over get the gold medal 
the kids in the stand don't know us apart. So they're walking up. They're like, hey, 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 can I get your autograph? So I'm signing autographs. I'm taking pictures with, with the fans. And ever since that day, anytime we go to Europe, you know, track is huge in Europe. Um, I think because of my physique, they they take me for an athlete. And so anytime I'm over there, I'm always signing autographs. And so I will <laughs> I'm literally signing my name and just like, I don't know what you're going to get for this autograph, sir, but you know what? Here you go. Like, <laughs> Well, once you get that medal put around your neck, you're, you're honestly a part of the team and nobody can tell you different. You can, you have a picture, you have that memory and nobody can tell you different about that. You are, you are a gold medalist. That's amazing. That's, that's an awesome story. <laughs> it was fun. All right. Last question before we get you out of here, Jerrica. Thank you so much again for your time. Uh, do you have any advice for anybody that wants to work in, you know, at the professional level in sports or specifically in track at any level? Um, volunteering. Uh, volunteering is definitely the way that I got in, volunteering and networking. Um, there are a lot of uh, USA chapters in every state, so uh, especially with the youth. I would say get heavily involved with that if you want to get into track. Um, that goes a long way. And, you know, networking with providers. So finding providers who have actually worked a circuit before uh, to get their honest opinions about it, uh, see if it actually fits you. Um, because track is a big networking sport. So um, it's not hard to get in if you know somebody or somebody knows you, right? Um, if your skill sets, skill sets are up to par and uh, you don't mind the, the travel requirements and the uh, long hours of track, um, it, it shouldn't be too hard to to work with athletes on an elite level. Gotcha. All right. Well, I think that's great advice and hopefully somebody can take that and, you know, use that in later on in their careers. Um, yeah. But again, Jerrica, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to sit down and chat with us. Um, is there anything that you'd like to plug before we get you out of here? Uh, no, I think that's it. All right. Perfect. Well, uh, again, thank you so much for your time. And this has been the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. <laughs>